This week, we're talking about joy. And it's actually kind of nice that it corresponds with the week in the Advent candles, the Advent wreath, the the four uh, candles that celebrate each week of Advent were on the joy candle. So there's four candles in the wreath, hope, peace, joy, and love. And in the middle is called the Christ candle. And sometimes as we think about those themes that guide us through Advent, it's easy to make the assumption that at Christmas we receive these gifts of hope, of peace, of joy, and love. But what might be a little bit more helpful is to uh, instead recognize that each of these gifts shapes our preparation for Christmas. Christmas delivers to us great hope. It's the provision of hope that guides us through life. No, we don't just receive hope at Christmas, though that is the fulfillment of God's promises so that we know what we hope for and what we hope in is something we can count on. Hope helps us get ready to celebrate Christmas because God gives that to us in faith. Hope guides our preparation, peace in a chaotic world. Uh, Sometimes it's easy for us to think that if God just comes back, then peace will finally reign. Then peace will finally reign. But the reality is God gives us peace to weather the storms. God gives us peace to, to, to survive and be stable in the midst of all of the chaos of life. This world is a broken place, but he gives us this gift of peace so that no matter what comes our way, we remain solid-footed and sure-footed in the midst of it. And so today we find ourselves on joy. And we're going to hear a prophecy from Zephaniah chapter 3, one of the prophets in the Old Testament who's painting a picture of what it's going to be like when God fulfills the promise for a Savior. And last week and the week before, we were talking about preparation in a little bit more of a serious tone, a little bit heavier of a sense. But today, I want you to hear from Zephaniah how God wants us to be joyful in our expectation and preparation for a Savior. Listen to these words from Zephaniah chapter 3. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last your troubles will be over, and you will never again fear disaster. On that day the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I will gather you who mourn for the appointed festivals. You will be disgraced no more, and I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and helpless ones. I will bring together those who are chased away. I will give glory and fame to my former exiles wherever they have been mocked and shamed. On that day, I will gather you together and bring you home again. I will give you a good name, a name of distinction, among all the nations of the earth as I restore your fortunes before their very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. You can hear in those words from Zephaniah, the the jovial tone, the fact that God is answering and bringing about joyful gladness in response to, in contrast to the way that his people have been treated in the past. God's people are characterized by this imperfection, right? All of us struggle with it. Even those of us who trust in God's promises, we waver forward and back in our strengths, in our, in our faith. Sometimes we have strong days. Some days we have, we have weak days. We struggle with persistent issues within ourselves, with anger or with jealousy or with impatience. 
And because of those struggles within us, sometimes uh, we have to, we, we have consequences for the actions we take out of uh, the guidance of those emotions. Sometimes our jealousy can cause us to have rifts in our relationships. Sometimes the anger gets in the way of us uh, really seeing someone the way that they are supposed to be. Sometimes those issues get in the way of us enjoying the blessings that God pours out on us. And God's people were very similar to that. They would follow other gods. They wanted to live the way that the world lived around them. They set aside God's rules for themselves and picked up their own preferences. And because of that, they had to go through a great deal of suffering. God had set his people apart and they wanted to go their own way. And yet, here in Zephaniah, we hear, God is saying to his people, look, there have been many things that have happened to you because of the imperfections you live with. And yet, listen to this great promise I have for you. A Savior is coming. And when he comes, there's going to be great joy among you because I am coming to dwell with my people. I'm going to rule them with a righteous hand. I'm going to bring about joy to those who have been exiled away from their homeland. I'm going to bring you back into a place of, of, of prominence and a place of favor with me. The ruler will be with his people. Now, this created some interesting expectations for God's people at the time of Jesus' arrival. And they may have expected a more of a political leader than, than a spiritual leader. But Jesus came to free them, not from their earthly oppressors, but from their own sin. We've heard this story before. We're familiar with it. But I think sometimes what's speaking to us in this message, in this lesson, in these verses is that as we prepare to celebrate what it means that God made good on his promise to Israel for a savior, so also we need to be led by that joyful expectation in our celebration for what it means that God's going to make good on his promise to return to us. He's already welcomed us into his family. He's delivered us uh, into a forgive, he's delivered to us forgiveness from our sins. He's reconciled us to himself so that our sinfulness, our pride, our issues don't get in the way of our relationship with him. They don't separate us from him because he's crossed the gap through grace for us, to us, into our lives. And so as we think about what it means to prepare for joyful celebration, I want to paint for you a picture of what that might look like for each of us. You've all heard about uh, bridezillas before, or maybe, um, maybe groomzillas as well. Anyone that's involved in a major celebration like a wedding is at risk of becoming very controlling over that day. Maybe sometimes it's a mother-in-law or, or a wedding planner or a friend. Sometimes people's expectations for an important event get in the way of their enjoyment of the event itself. And so as the preparation begins in a more serious way, as things begin, begin to get uh, quite fervent and, and high, uh, high, tensi- high intensity, high energy, the tensions rise, the joy that comes from celebrating something like a wedding can be robbed of the people experiencing it because there's so much worry about whether every little detail is going to go according to plan. And all of a sudden, a person might find themselves on the other side of the event it having taken place, and they don't remember the joy that came with such an important event. But I want to tell you a story about a pastor who was uh, marrying a couple. Now, he does this in every wedding he performs. I happen to know this guy. It's, it's my dad, actually. And uh, he performs weddings, and as he gives the sermon in the wedding, he pauses with the groom and bride and says, take a look around you. For, for a few minutes, you know, the pastor is in charge of the ceremony and he, he, he's got five or six minutes to share a message with the people gathered and he takes one of them and he says, look around you. Pause for a second and take in the people that are here 
to celebrate with you. Your friends and family gathered standing here at the front with you. The people sitting in the chairs behind you know that in their presence also is reflected the presence of God here with you. And for this moment, whatever details haven't gone right or have gone right or whatever's going to go on after this ceremony, at least in this moment, celebrate the joy of what's actually taking place. God gives us that same opportunity. God gives us this time, this week in Advent, as we are all getting ready for Christmas. Maybe your preparations don't look like mine. Maybe you're not worried about planning the perfect Christmas Eve service. Maybe you're more about planning the perfect Christmas dinner or just trying to get a few family members into the same house for the holidays. Whatever your worries are, God calls us to a place of expectant joy. And we light this joy candle in the Advent wreath to help remind us and guide us as we prepare for Christmas, as we prepare for celebrations, that joy can be a part of that preparation as well. God gave his people a promise in Zephaniah that there would be a time when great joy would be theirs because he's going to fulfill all of his promises. And we know as beneficiaries of those promises being fulfilled, as people who trust in God's promises, that that joy that he promised them is also ours. Let's not miss that joy as we prepare for the holiday season, as we prepare for important events in life, as we prepare for what's coming ahead. Let's not get caught up in the details, but remember that the joy God gives us is one that is with us even now, even in the preparation even in these anxious moments, even in getting all the details lined up, God pours out his joy on you and me because he has made good on his promises in the past. He will make good on his promises in the future. And he encourages and commands and exhorts and invites us into a season and mentality of joy, even in our preparation. Let that guide your celebration this Christmas season. Let that walk you through these weeks of preparation because God has given you joy even today.